was a conductive wire And you were so electric I had no say when you came so near And just passed right through me Hello everyone, welcome to Geekdom is Back. Today we are doing another Star Wars Roundtable episode. This time we are talking all about The Mandalorian. I am joined by Jonathan Lally, Katie Schaefer, and Tim Matthews. How are you all doing today? Very good. Thank you for having me. Very good. Fantastic. My pleasure. It's always fun getting to talk Star Wars. We recently did Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. Jonathan and Tim were on that episode along with Marjani Rawls and Katie and I did a bonus episode. So you will have lots of hours of Star Wars content from this podcast if you're listening to this and you listen to those two episodes already. But we're going to go ahead and jump right in. The Mandalorian. It's a new Disney Plus show. And if you haven't watched it, definitely stop listening to this right now because we are going to spoil pretty much the whole thing. But before we really dive into what the show was about, I want to get a feel for what initially grabbed you guys with the show before it even aired. Did you know right away that, oh, Disney's doing live action Star Wars, of course I'm going to watch it? Or did it take some convincing to get you hooked? For me personally, I mean, just the fact that it was you know, I, we were also still, I feel like, I don't even know if, uh, I don't even know if, 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 uh, uh, Last Jedi had come out at that point. So I don't know if like the excitement had started or even like solo or something like that, you know, where like there have been kind of some fluctuations in how these things have been received, but I was still on board when I heard it was going to be a thing. Um, I think it was originally, kind of rumored that it was going to be a show about Boba Fett originally. And I remember thinking, well, that's exciting, but like how much of that character do we need to see? And then it kind of got clarified when they actually made the official announcement of all the TV shows that they were doing that. Like, no, this is actually like about the Mandalorian, like a Mandalorian, not the Mandalorian that you're aware of, like the one Mandalorian. If you're like me and hadn't read any of the comics or didn't really watch any of the cartoon TV shows. Like you knew what they were, but didn't have a very good idea. And so just based on the fact that it was set a long, long time ago in a galaxy far away, it was, you know, enough for me, but also based on the fact that there was enough non-canon and now canon content over the years that we've seen how good that type of stuff can be, even when it falls outside of the Skywalker story. You know, I think, main audiences have only really had their introduction to star Wars through the Skywalker saga, but for fans of star Wars in general, and the ones that have like gone on to play video games or, you know, I read the extended uh, universe books about the, uh, the solo twins when I was a kid. So I feel like people that have lived in that type of stuff, they're excited and they know that these types of stories can be good. But all I knew was that it was centered about a Randallorian and it was set in Star Wars, and I was definitely curious to see if Boba Fett would ever show up again. So that was enough to get me personally watching. Okay. Katie, how about you? Well, I heard about it and was like, hmm, this could be good. I guess we'll see. And then as I learned more and more about it, I thought, wow, this is a really good idea for a TV show because, you know, Star Wars is at its core a space opera, and Spaghetti Western is just like just a jog to the left of a space opera story. And they often work really well in the same kind of worlds. And when I learned it was about bounty hunters and that John Favreau was the showrunner 
and it had a bunch of people who I really like. Bryce Dallas Howard directed an episode, Taika Waititi directed an episode, and it's in the show. It was very enticing. And so in the run-up to Disney Plus release, I was like, okay, it's worth it. I want to see this as soon as possible. So I, I got it right away, and that was the first thing, I think. No, the first thing was X-Men. <laughs> That's what I watched on <laughs> Disney+. Plus. Uh, this was the second thing I watched because it's just... And it turned out to be better than I hoped. Good choice on X-Men there. I still need to watch that. But Tim, what drew you into this? Uh, if, I mean, for me, it I, I will always sign up for, for more Star Wars. So uh, that that's kind of all it took for me. I was like, all right, cool. It's a live action Star Wars uh, series. And I feel like over the years, we've gotten so many suggested hints or or possibly that there were other live action stuff that has been in development or even if it was like pre 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 production, but I feel like it's been brought up before. Oh, there's going to be a live action star Wars and then nothing happened. So the fact that it was actually happening um, was super exciting. Uh, the fact that it had nothing to do with the skywalkers uh, definitely drew me in because it's, it's just exciting to see what else is going on in the rest of the galaxy. Um, the heavy spaghetti, uh, Western vibes was a huge interest to me. I I just I grew up watching a, a lot of that stuff, like with my with my grandfather and and everything, and um, so I was just super stoked on that. And then yeah, I'm with everybody else. The more that I heard about just who was involved, uh, the creative team, I it gave me confidence. The practical effects, when I heard that there was going to be a heavy amount of that, I was like, <laughs> yes, please give me practical effects. And yeah, I mean, I, it didn't take much. It was not the first <laughs> thing that I watched on Disney Plus either, though. That was reserved for the glory that is Jeff Goldblum. And anybody who listened to our Jurassic Park episode knows my love for Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> <laughs> it's certainly one of those things where... We were all kind of like, oh, a live action Star Wars show? Cool. Let's check that out. And they didn't have to do a ton of convincing, it sounds like, for all four of us to get on the Disney Plus train. You know, it's like, oh, you're going to give us Marvel and Pixar and Star Wars and, you know, Nat Geo for people who like to watch that. I saved some stuff for my mom on my account from Nat Geo. But it's one of those things where they have such major properties. You're like, yes. I'm going to take this and I'm going to watch a ton of things. There's some stuff Katie mentioned X-Men that I haven't got into, but just the fact that they were like, Hey, we're going to kick this thing off and give you a live action Star Wars show. I was like, well, you already had my money. So yes, I will watch <laughs> it. And I've watched the animated shows. I'm not up to date on resistance at the moment because we no longer have the cable channel that it's on or whatever. And so I'm kind of waiting for season two to hit Disney plus so I can binge my way through that. But the clone wars and rebels I loved. So I was like, okay, I see the creative team. I like the creative team. I'm all in on this. And I just wanted to see what they did with the production, the sets, and like Tim mentioned, the practical stuff that it would translate to the small screen and not just be a, oh, you only get this in the movies kind of thing. And it's like, Disney has so much money. They better do it right. <laughs> Another thing before we dive into the show, though, I'm curious about is how well did you all know the Mandalorians before going into this? Did you know anything 
about what they stood for, where they came from, or was it sort of just like, oh, hey, Boba Fett has Mandalorian armor, and that's kind of the extent of my Mandalorian knowledge. That that was quite literally all I knew. And, and <laughs> you know, even though I had read some extended universe stuff and I knew that it was like Mandalorian armor, I was always kind of under the impression that he wasn't actually a Mandalorian, that he was just kind of repurposing their gear as part of his costume setup, you know. And I believe I believe that he also had like Wookiee hides like Boba Fett did. And I just remember being like, oh, it sounds like he's just kind of like taking bits and pieces from different types of things that he likes to build his persona. I never thought, and I, I don't actually know, and maybe Katie or, or or Tim would know, but I don't think, was Boba Fett actually a Mandalorian? Um, I don't know. Uh, I have no idea. No, I don't either. I was under the impression he was a clone because I believe Jango right. Fett was a clone. and Right, but he he asked for one all unaltered clone, I think is what he said, and that was Boba Fett. And then, um, so yeah, I guess technically he is a clone, but he hadn't had any of like the, you know, hard programming that all the other ones had is like his thing. So he, he didn't have the hard programming and he also did not have the, um, I guess, accelerated, uh, age growth that the others did. Okay. Yeah. Cause he, I just imagine what Boba Fett looks like under that mask is what Django Fett looked like basically. Yeah. yeah. Like if I had to, that's what I always thought. I always and I felt like that was kind of their way of like telling us, hey, this is the way. Yeah, this is the way (laughs) I have spoken. This is all you're getting. Uh, No, I mean, that was really it. I I remember like the there's like a ridiculous cartoon of Boba Fett writing some sort of like thing from the holiday special, the long, long forgotten uh, holiday special. But uh uh, so I think they even made never forget. Yeah. Never forget yeah. that one. But yeah, I, I think that they, I think Nick Nolte's character, even at some point in the show said something like about like, you know, when he's teaching him to ride that creature in like the first or second episode. And he's like, your people used to do this and have done this for, you know, centuries or whatever. And I'm thinking uh, that might've been what they were referring to, but yeah, other than Boba Fett really, and, and and similar, I've not watched a lot of the TV shows, but my old roommate used to. So I knew that there was that character on Rebels that was, I guess, a Mandalorian. She had the, like the pink, wasn't mm-hmm. she wearing like pink, pink Mandalorian armor or Sabine. purple or something? Yeah. 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 She was great. And quick note, apparently, according to the Star Wars Wikipedia anyway, Boba Fett was a Mandalorian. It doesn't really explain what happened mm. necessarily, okay. but it's one of those things where being a Mandalorian is not a race. It's a right. group of people who sort of go by this code creed. And I think that's something that's been confusing a little bit in star Wars. It's like, wait, okay. Are, is this the race of the people from this place or yeah. is it something else? And it turns out it is something else. They're a group of warriors and they just sort of live by a very, strict set of rules so boba fett was apparently a mandalorian according to this so if it's wrong don't blame me (laughs) yeah no i mean he could have been right i mean isn't technically the mandalorian or or whatever his name his actual name is i forget um he is a foundling yeah uh, yeah or something like that yeah uh it's so yeah there we go i want to say Jin urso at first (laughs) no no wait hold on uh but yeah, Jaren, I, I, that was that was pretty me. much all I yeah, I jar yeah, Jin Jar is that what it was? Jin Jarin? Din Jarin. Din Jarin. Um 
Yeah, I, that was quite literally it. And I'm curious, like, Katie, Tim, like, did you know anything beyond Boba Fett or? No, like, I, I knew, I've heard of, I'd heard of them and all of the, I was reading my, uh, what do they call it now? The extended universe stuff when I was young, well yeah. before, mm-hmm. which was in the 90s, well before this yeah. uh, explosion of material about it. So I went in knowing, like, okay, well, Boba Fett has Mandalorian armor and they're some kind of bounty hunter warrior people, and that was about it. So, and that was kind of part of the draw for me, because I think a big part of the show that interested me is that it's not about the Skywalkers. It's totally different, and it gives us lots of information about a different kind of people than we've seen before. Yeah. So that was a big draw for me to watch the show and get to learn all of this backstory about them. So, but I was now I'm like, okay, well now I need to know everything about the Mandalorians. What's going on here? (laughs) Yeah, I was, I was uh, pretty similar. I, the only thing I really knew was that Mandalorians look really cool. uh, But that some are easily dispatched by a blind Han Solo and make for great Sarlacc food. Um, (laughs) But I always intended to read the books or comics involving them, but I just never got around to it. Um, I, I too read a decent amount of like the extended stuff. I never, when I was younger, I don't think I ever really read anything in order. It was just kind of like my, when I did well at school, I got to go to the comic book store or something and I would just pick up what looked cool. And so I, I always intended to read more, never got to it. And so that, made it exciting to watch this because it was just kind of like learning about it a bit more and I've just started Rebels uh, so I'm in the beginnings of season two really you have enjoying more to it, learn then <laughs> yeah yeah so I'm I'm yeah. really enjoying that and she's a great character and it's interesting that like she takes her helmet off and so one of the things that I've read since watching the show is I and I think it's just people's theories you know maybe that um because some people are like, well, how come in Rebels, like, she can take her helmet off, but they can't take their helmets off? Some some people's theories or thoughts are that that specific clan, um, that, like, there's the Mandalorians, they follow this creed, but that there's separate clans. Um, and yeah. so, mm-hmm. like, that group that uh, Din Djarin is with, this is, like, their set of rules, and that maybe. Right. The group that um, Sabine is with had a different set of rules or maybe the fact that she's off on her own. You know, it's she's not really with the group anymore, but still has her armor. I don't know, but I won't say anything just in case I'll learn more, more in the show. Uh, but yeah. When does Rebels take place? Uh, isn't it after Return of the Jedi? Deanna coming in hot with that Wikipedia. I, I'm I'm getting there. I'm so bad at knowing when things take place. I know. I'm just imagining somewhere. Deanna like with a physical book, like paging through. Yeah, flipping, <laughs> flipping. Hold so, on. Star Wars Rebels takes place between Solo and Rogue One. So between episodes three and four, too. This is after, yeah, this is all after Return of the Jedi, yeah. right? This so. is five, five years after the events of Return yeah, of the Jedi. Yeah, because so. Order 66 okay. has already happened, and right. there are so few Jedi left. That's right, yeah. Okay, so this is, it could have been something that changed in the meantime, so. Yeah. Right. Yeah, because Mandalorian takes place after Return of the Jedi, but before The Force That's Awakens. Right. So yeah, it's, it's a bit did. later. <laughs> 
yeah, it's, it's weird and it's like i need i need like an actual like map you know yeah, like i need right. like i need one of those it like things like those infographics you see on a wikipedia page about which band members have been in a band as long you yep. know, like yeah. okay where do these shows take place and the the overarching like and just have like the the skywalker saga at the very top just be like that's okay, this literally is like your... what i looked at basically it's a timeline oh, yes. of all of the movies Perfect. and shows there's even one that has like a timeline of all the canon novels and everything now uh, so oh my god yeah it's one of those things where i was like oh i'm gonna try and read the novels in order and katie and tim you both mentioned you know the ones that are not canon anymore i believe they're calling that the legends series now yeah. and okay, i have a book it. called the mandalorian armor sitting on my shelf that i have not read <laughs> but i have I think seen that's the one i wanted to read and i haven't gotten to it yeah i have seen those sabine episodes and tim since you're watching rebels i'm not going to spoil any of it for you but it's, it. <laughs> it's like clone wars where they do two to three episode story arcs so they have this whole thing focusing on sabine there's the dark saber oh, that pops up in there and you just get yep. some more of that Mandalorian lore that you kind of have been wondering about this entire time. So I agree with Katie. This show did a really nice job of letting you know more about who the Mandalorians are, how exactly things work with this particular clan. And I think what happened with Sabine was a little different as far as, you know, taking the helmet off and everything because she wasn't, in the clan when she's off with the rebels, as you can tell, you know, that's kind of obvious. And I think with Mando, even though he's a bounty hunter, he still chooses to go by that creed. So I don't know if it's just like, you can't go back. Like he said, if you take it off and Sabine just had no plans to do that, I'm not totally sure, but Tim, I think you'll yeah. like that story arc once you get to it. I don't even remember what season it was in, but it was good. So <laughs> there is that. Awesome. I'm excited. The, I've been super impressed with the, the show so, so far. The storytelling has been, been great. And I need to catch it, up with you. I need to just start it and then watch it. And then you and I can like chat back and forth because uh, Deanna and Katie are already, already so far ahead. Perfect. Oh, yeah, I haven't I w- seen Rebels. I'll have to catch up. Oh, you haven't watched oh, it either. Yeah. I haven't. Oh, okay. I haven't watched it. I'll have to. I'll God. have to give it a watch. Yeah. I've I'm seen giving like you guys homework. Bits. I've seen <laughs> bits. I've seen bits. Uh, it's the one that Freddie Prince Jr. does a voice in, right? Yeah, yes. that blew my mind. Yeah. Yeah. I got so excited. Sarah Michelle Gellar too. Fun fact. Oh no! Oh, way. Yes. Yeah. I, che- I checked <laughs> yeah. out the. I checked out the IMDb list of the people voicing, and I was scrolling, and I saw that she yeah. plays some ca- character, and she's in more than one episode. I was just like. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's great. It's like, uh, yeah, and I, I honestly, you know, we can get to this later, but based on the stuff I've looked at, and I will try not to spoil too, because I haven't watched Rebels, but I do watch enough stuff by like new rock stars and John Campy and all these other nerds on the the YouTube sphere uh, that have kind of given me an idea of like what we might ne- see next season. We can kind of talk about. It. I'll try and do so gracefully without like spoiling, you know, too much, but. Yeah, that was it between like and once again, even still, I don't know a whole lot about Sabine because I haven't watched enough Rebels. But that that was kind of my only intro to Mandalorian was Boba Fett and a little bit of what I've seen in passing of Rebels. Yeah, I definitely want to dive in and start talking about the cast and the characters first. We've obviously touched on the Mandalorian himself and you have this great group of cast members and 
you don't need them all in every single episode for things to work. And then you have, you know, your random people who you are certainly familiar with, but they only pop up for an episode and then they're gone. And it's just like, yes, this is the kind of stuff I want. So what are your general thoughts on the cast and the characters they gave us in this show? Overall, I thought the cast was fine. There were some that shown uh, that were brighter than others. I was a little butthurt that like it became evident pretty early on that like we weren't going to actually see Pedro Pascal. <laughs> he was just going to be this voice, um, which was a bummer to me because I have seen him in a handful of things. I actually never watched really Game of Thrones when he was on it. I saw a few seasons of that show and it was not the ones where they were, I think, Dorn or whatever. But um, I... I have seen all of the seasons that Narcos that he was in yes. and I loved him in Narcos and he was okay in the Kingsman sequel. That wasn't his fault. Uh, just the sequel <laughs> itself was whatever. He was uh, in that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's in the Kingsman sequel. Uh, uh, I forget his, his name, but uh, he's one of the other, like the, the Southern gentleman or whatever, oh, you okay. know, like he's like in that, that group or branch or whatever, but he's a good, he's a good actor. Um, and it was also just like, Oh cool. We're getting like another not white person in star Wars. And then they just shoved him behind a mask the whole time. And I was like, kind of a bummer, you know, because I remember one of the things, um, reading about, uh, Diego Luna being in, uh, in rogue one. And I remember just reading this really touching story about how, I don't remember if it was a father or a son, but it was someone and they were saying, you know, I've just never seen someone who looks like me in these types of movies. And uh, I feel like that was kind of a missed opportunity, but I think that we will see that change a little bit in the future. As far as Pedro goes, he like, as far as uh, his lines and his character, they were all great. Like, I think he did. I still think he did a wonderful job given the fact that he's only doing voiceover most of the time. Uh, and his character was really good, but uh some of, I actually really liked a lot of the supporting characters. Mm -hmm. um, I really thought that uh, Cara Dune, Gina Carano's character, I thought she was amazing. I've really, really grown to just adore her uh, between like Deadpool and the, the Fast and Furious movies she did. She's just just very enjoyable, awesome person. And, and just I really liked her character. I like when they brought her back. I thought Werner Herzog being in it was just awesome um i think he's never even seen a star wars film and nope. he was like he has oh, his, not his yeah. interviews have been amazing <laughs> yeah oh I, i'd be all curious i gotta watch i gotta amazing. watch that because all i know and it's funny i'm not familiar with i know who werner herzog is but only based on like seeing his quotes all the time throughout like the internet and how he's just comes off like this amazing salty filmmaker i didn't even realize he acted as well and then when i heard that he was i, I remember when they just started, you know, making casting announcements, he got announced before Pedro Pascal did. I feel like Pedro Pascal got added very late in the actual casting process, as far as like the announcements and stuff go. And that makes sense. Now I haven't seen the show and, you know, it's a, it's just a guy in a suit for most of it. And then a little bit of him, but um, yeah, I thought, I thought that the supporting cast was cool. I love Nick Nolte's character. Uh, didn't even realize it was Nick Nolte's character <laughs> until, uh reading about it a few episodes later i i thought i thought that some of the cameos were like fun but ultimately didn't really serve a purpose other than being oh hey it's that person um i like that he kept using all these comedians like amy sedaris and bill burr uh 
or having those voiceover actors like Jason Sudeikis and Adam Pally and, you know, Taika Waititi. I thought like all of that stuff came together to make a really good, it's like all the ingredients came together nicely. Um, I, you know, I'll get to this a little bit later, but like, as far as like some of the lows, I like one, you know, some of the characters that are used and I'll just save this for later, but some of the characters that they have in some of the episodes are just utterly annoying. And and one or two of the episodes could have been, half as long mm-hmm. uh and gotten the same amount done but uh overall like cast is really good i thought i really liked who they who they cast for a lot of this i loved the cast i have a lot of i do know quite a bit about bernard herzog and i've seen yeah. a few of his movies and he is he is exactly as he is in those interviews every interview that bernard herzog Doug does is well worth watching and all of his movies are really great he does lots of documentaries and and when I heard he was cast to this, I was like, oh, this is perfection. Because he gives us all in every movie that he does. Because he does do a little bit of acting, but I think it's very much like, oh, that sounds fun. I'll do that. Oh, this looks good. You know, he's very choosy. And so when he does perform, it's always a delight to watch. And I believe that Pedro Pascal is the person in the armor as well. Yeah. So most all of, of the time, all of the oh, body it is language. him most of the time. Okay. Because yeah. I had read that yeah. he does have, and I'm guessing maybe the guy that they were referring to is just like a stunt double or something. But like maybe I like swore. a stand-in or something. I read he was filming some other stuff like while they were filming this, so there were yeah. times that there was a body double instead. But right, probably I, for like I pickup never, shots I never, and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I never noticed. So yeah. whoever. Yeah, I mean, it was, it, and if that's the case, I take it all back. I mean, he was. Like I, like I said, his character itself, you know, even through just even if it was him just doing voiceover acting, like it was fine. You know, when you see him, you see him. And I just I just hope that we see more of him in the future, I guess. Yes, so do I, because he does have a very expressive face and he is very good at this role, at being kind of stark with his performance. It's when he delivers his lines, they're always very matter of fact. And there's not usually a whole lot of emotion in them yeah. until... I don't know, like the last couple episodes. Once he starts to loosen up and become really connected to the child, then we see his performance change. And I thought that was masterful. And I got to give it up to Carl Weathers, man. I love that guy. He is so fun. Oh, he's so fun. Um, In particular, in the Rocky movies, for those who've seen them. Oh, that's okay. That Yeah, I, I was like, okay, I know this name and I know this face, but I couldn't put where it was from and yes, uh, he is apollo you. creed from the rocky movies and right. i saw he was in this and i was like oh, yes because he's so great at these kinds of weird out there performances and you never feel like he's laughing at the material he's given and it's just he felt very natural in in this world you know I and him. i he encompasses his role so so well and the other person who i thought was just so great in this is taika waititi i mean i love him he's my favorite my favorite director and he directed a couple of episodes in this i think in all the episodes where his droid makes an appearance i think he directed them which i think is the first and the last episode and he he just adds so much and does such great things with the shots that he does as a director and he just knows how to bl- make things work, no matter how weird what's going on is. So, yeah, his episode felt so distinctly different and great, yes. and not it, it did not start out in a way. First off, like it could have easily gone on 
just a smidge too far in that first opening sequence on his episode. And he, he dialed it perfectly. And, yes. and he showed, you know, just like, I, I hate to make this, this comparison just because we're, we're talking about like Disney, but you know, it kind of showed that you can have weird and funny in star Wars or humor, like overt humor in star Wars, instead of just a little like grinny type of thing. And it can work. Even in really dark material. Cause yeah, at times this is a really a kid. Yeah, dark like show. And he just, makes it work and so i was really impressed with the cast that they got for this but i do agree that some of the the cameos i was like okay like that scene between the two stormtroopers and i think it's the last episode where they're (laughs) like that i was like this is so john favreau like this little scene right here and i know that those two guys are people because that's what star wars says you know they're known actors so always stormtroopers too it's always like uh, so you can't see their face yeah you know who it was though right Yes. Yeah. Yes. yeah I, it, I had to wait until I, I immediately. I was like, "What? I when the when the uh, commercial? Or it was funny, even though it was like this huge episode that it just ended. I was more interested in seeing who the stormtroopers right were. Right. I was like, I know that, vote. and I like uh, you know, and I, I beat myself up because I just watched a Jason Sudeikis film. I just seen Booksmart, you know, like oh. a day or two before. I've watched it a million times. Uh, you know, call out to Booksmart if anyone hasn't seen it. But uh, it's so good. It's really, really good. But uh, yeah, sorry. I, I, I hate to interrupt, but I just wanted to say, yes, absolutely. Taika was amazing. IG-11 was amazing. Quick note, Katie. He only did the last episode, it looks like. I think, yeah, that's right. I think Favreau kicked it off with the first episode directing that one. But they did get a ton of great directors just for yeah. these eight episodes. So I think oh, it, yeah. it worked really well. But Tim, what were your general thoughts on the cast and the characters? I thought overall it was uh the cast was really great. Um it, it took me a little to uh take Carl Weathers seriously because it, uh because of arrested development. Like I kept I kept expecting him to just be oh like my God. start listing a few things and just and put it all together and you've got a stew going. <laughs> like <laughs> and so when he first showed up I was like I was like, Oh, this is so weird. But then I eased into it and got my my own like mindset of him out of the way and I'm like, Okay, he's great. You know, it's so he he's he's wonderful. Um I thought uh Pedro Pascal did a terrific job with Mando. Uh I really um I certainly understand the 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 want to to see him under the mask and everything, but I thought it was perfect how they did it. Um I I loved that they really stuck to it uh, throughout the majority of the show. Um, even the one particular episode in the village where he finally does take his mask off, but they still keep him out of frame. Mm-hmm. Um, he he did such a terrific job with his vocal performance, with uh, with his body language. I never had any issue in uh, in understanding the 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 emotional uh development of the character um i thought he did a, a terrific job and then when we do finally see his face i thought it it was so perfectly well done that it was with the the ig unit that he had such disdain for and you know the, the and you do get to see that expressive face of his you know when uh ig says something about, uh about you know his uh uh, his brain and uses all these like terms and everything and, oh, yeah. and he's just like 
you mean he gives him the back to spray gotta get that back to spray yo yeah and so magic potion exactly and so i thought that was that was really well done the development of that um the side characters um were uh for the most part um, I, I really liked, I thought, yeah, I thought Cara Dune was fantastic. I was so excited that we got to see her and Nick Nolte's character come back as well as the IG unit. I thought that was really great to, um, you know, we were introduced to them along the way, but to bring them back later, I thought was even better because, um, the, the episode in the village, the, the relationship and friendship developing between, uh, him and Cara Dune, I thought was, uh, really really great um i i really enjoyed their just their 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 banter and you can just tell like everything that both of them have been through um and they kind of just got brought together because of circumstance but it was nice to see how that developed i also really liked i think her name's like um, i don't remember the name of the character but the woman in the village that we almost get uh the one he's he wants to settle down with but can't. Yeah, like part of I I thought their their chemistry was was terrific and that part was of the me, strongest episode. Too, yeah, I think and like, I really really loved that episode and part and yeah. part of me just wanted to be like, no, just just take off the mask, settle down. I'll watch you guys raise raise baby Yoda together. Like I'll yeah. watch an entire show of that. Like let's just do it. So it's like I would have been I would have been down with that. Um, obviously, Werner Herzog is incredible. I mean, I think my my favorite thing from his performance was when Carl Weathers is like, oh, it, the, the the child is sleeping. And he just goes, we'll all be really, really quiet. <laughs> just like, <laughs> I utterly lost it in, in that delivery. Like he he was just, he was just terrific. He was delightful. The whole like every time he was on screen, you wanted like more of him. And I felt like they used him perfectly. Absolutely. Just enough. Yeah. Just enough to keep you coming back and be like, ooh. Yeah, yeah. The the only the only character that I actively disliked and uh, this uh, kind of connects in 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 characters, but also the any any downfalls of the show for me. I did not like the gunslinger. Uh, I did not like the actor. I thought he was a bad actor. I thought he was annoying. I just you know who he is too, correct? No, I have no idea. (laughs) Bobby Carnival's son. Okay. Uh, Jake, Jake Conova. I wrote it down, but I was going to say the same thing. He was awful. He was awful. That whole episode could have been tossed out. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like the, the episode, like I enjoyed the imagery. I enjoyed the action. Like I was like, this is cool. But every time he was on screen, I was like, I hate you. I hate you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I felt like, uh, yeah, I almost wonder if it was like, I hate to speculate because who knows, maybe he's done some other stuff, but you got to wonder if it was like, a favor from Favreau to, uh, you know, uh, Bobby Conneval or whatever. And she's like, yeah, I'm going to put your son in this thing. But like, cause it's star Wars, but it was just like, you want you did that whole episode. You wanted to be happy because they're in Tatooine and they're like fan service to the max. That whole episode, like, Hey, look, we're sitting in like the spot where Han Shaw Greedo, but I just like keep thinking how much I hate this dude. And he's like so annoying. And they completely utterly wasted, uh, uh, the woman from Agents of Shield. Uh, I'm gonna Ming Na Wen. Yeah, Ming Na Wen. That's one of my big complaints because she's literally trained in martial arts, and I feel like they just wasted her character so badly in that episode. You're like, oh, okay, cool, she's gone. And there are other performances like Giancarlo Esposito 
where you're like, yes, this worked. You know, he got a little bit of a longer stint because he comes in, I think, the penultimate second, at episode. At the end of the second episode, yeah. At the yeah. Very end. And so he gets a little more time to sort of give us an idea of who he is as a character. And with Ming-Na Wen, I was just like, oh, well, that was disappointing. And I, you know, it's not her fault. That's just how that character was written. And you have people like Amy Sedaris popping up and going away in one episode. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. In her case, I didn't think it worked, but I'm in agreement with the rest of you for the most part, the main supporting cast members were all fantastic and fun to watch on the screen. I understand wanting to see more of Pedro too, just because we're like, we know that voice. Let us see the face and that beautiful face. <laughs> the good looking dude. Yes. You get this complexity with all of these characters because there's a lot of mystery for the audience surrounding them. We're yeah. like, we don't know who any of these characters are and you want to know more. And thankfully we do get to know more about Mando throughout it, but the rest, How there's still sort of that stuff where you're like, do we know a lot about this person? We don't know a lot, but it's okay because we like them and they're fighting the good fight. So you have moments like that where you're like, okay, these are characters I can really dive into. And I think we'll see them either pop up in like comics or books or something hopefully at some point just to get more knowledge if you want it i don't think it's necessarily needed given how this show turned out with the first eight episodes but i do have some fun facts here that relate to the animated shows because oh cool the guy who voices zeb in rebels pops up in an episode steve blum or bloom and then matt lanter who voiced anakin for the Clone Wars, he popped up in that scene where they're going to save the prisoner and he's in like that control room and has like the funky helmet on and everything. And Mando just yes. has to like knock him out. That was Matt Lanter who voices Anakin in Clone oh, Wars nice. and some of the other animated stuff. So I just thought that was a nice little nod to the animated shows and Dave Filoni appears in one of the episodes i don't think i caught his appearance i don't know he might have been a stormtrooper or had a mask on or something but you know he runs the animated show so it was just like there we go i, I think he's either a producer or a writer yeah he yeah well, he is involved is, in this yeah, somehow and, and he directed two episodes okay perfect oh, awesome. yeah so nice little appearances there and nods to the animated shows but there is one character we have not discussed yet because I wanted to spend a whole separate question on Baby Yoda. Is Baby Yoda the greatest marketing thing that Lucasfilm has possibly unintentionally come up with in quite some time? Man, uh, <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> so I, I love, first off, I just love, I, I'm going to try and keep it quick because I know I tend to like ramble, but I, I'm just going to say, I love that everyone calls it Baby Yoda instead of quote unquote the child, how they're they're marketing it. Like clearly the fan base has their own plans for this character. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Didn't Bob Iger get yelled at by uh, John Favreau for calling it Baby Yoda? Oh, did <laughs> yeah. I hope so. It's like, it's like John Favreau's the nicest, happiest guy ever, but like you mess up and you call him the Baby Yoda instead of the child. <laughs> Yeah, I think if you Google it, I'm pretty sure Bob Iger gave an interview where he was he was like, yeah, I kept calling it Baby Yoda and and, <laughs> jo and John yelled at me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Uh, to imagine being like the guy that gets to like even even though, you know, it's like you really didn't actually yell at him. But you're like, oh, my yeah. God, like the one person that can actually call out Bob Iger. 
<laughs> I'm making the show. Uh, I like, yeah, I like, I'm, I'm sincerely curious what, what Disney's end game with baby Yoda is. Will it tie into something bigger? Is it this contained story? That's going to be like quite literally what drives the entire series. Is it, is, is that child technically alive still where, you know, is, is it, is it going to be one of those things where like, do we actually assume it's a he, but it might be a she, uh, like there's all these things that they could do with it. And uh, also like where, where is this baby Yoda been like during, you know, the first order episode seven through nine, like what's going on. So like something, you know, there's a lot of story to be filled in with this character and it's like, you know, yeah, I'm excited to see what they do with it. It could go, it could go awful or it could go really well. You know, we've given, they've shown us a lot of stuff and they technically, if you think about it with this character, did kind of tie in some stuff with uh, Rise of Skywalker with the force healing, which I didn't notice until my my second watch of one of those episodes. Yeah, like, I don't even remember which episode it was in. So you the know, second to, to last your one. second, yeah, oh, so it was Carl Weathers. Oh, that's right. That's right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like that was literally like, and then we see it happen in the movie. I don't know if that was intentional or not. I think it was because wasn't that the one that was rescheduled to be on like the Wednesday before? Yes. Yeah. So maybe I guess in a, in a way they're yeah they're they're kind of keeping it tied together, and I think that's what's so great about, for better or worse. Like I don't always like Filoni's work, but I do overall. I think he did uh, a good job, and I I suspect that will have overarching you know tie-ins later on. But yeah, Baby Yoda. Uh, I, I'm, you know, I, I love Baby Yoda, but I still got to say Babu Frick is my homeboy. Um, yes. Hey, hey. I, hey, hey. <laughs> like, but like Baby Yoda is cool. And like, I'm glad that it's there. And it's like an intriguing, it's an intriguing piece of the show. Absolutely. Like, yeah, it's cute and adorable, but it's also just like the overarching implications of like what it means for everything and keeping it tied to like some of what we know. That's awesome. But I still like Babu Frick is my boy. Uh, but I, yeah, I think, I think that they did a wonderful job. I think that there's still so much we have, have to learn about, uh, the child. Um, and, and technically, and I, I just want to mention this before I, I like hand it off. Like one of the things that I was like, I was talking to my friend, uh, props to my buddy, Jessica Zolman, uh, Jay zombie on, on Twitter and Instagram. She, has done work uh, for Disney and has shot them. She's a huge Star Wars nerd, uh, uh, one of the biggest I know. She's amazing. Uh, she pointed out to me that in the prequels, there is another Yoda that is canon, and it's like Yaddle. Yaddle or Yeah, yeah. Like, I had an action figure. And she was <laughs> yes. giving me, she was it's giving delightful. me mad guff. She's like, Lally, this is canon already. <laughs> so I am curious to see if, like, where this goes you know given all of that type of stuff you know like or will they just kind of like forget about that i i have no idea i i am intrigued and i am still on team baby yoda especially like tea like baby yoda drinking tea is like my <laughs> basically my spirit animal so yes. yeah what, what do you baby uh, yoda at heart yeah what uh, yeah what <laughs> yes. about you katie what do you what do you think about baby yoda so a, a quick note the woman who does the voice acting for babu frick is the Harry Potter, right? Like, is, Burtle. Uh, yes, she is. And I loved that fact. Yeah, so I, I was love like, that yes. too. So I was really excited when we saw Baby Yoda at first. I was like, well, this is the cutest thing in the world and I need seven. <laughs> but I really love the fact that they chose to do it as a puppet. 
and that this is all practical effects. Yes. And I thought, and they do it so well, so well. That that little puppet is incredibly well done. You never really feels like a puppet except when people pick him up. That's yeah. the only time where it feels a little weird for me. Otherwise, the child blends into the world like he's so cute. And I agree. I keep trying to use uh, they pronouns because we don't know if Baby Yoda is a girl or a boy. And we should let them choose. <laughs> and I think that Lucasfilm somehow had no idea what was going on and that Baby Yoda would be like an instant internet meme and everyone would love it because they... I know that for partially there wasn't any uh, merchandise prepared because they didn't want any leaks because Lucasfilm is hardcore about those leaks, but they should have been prepared. Like they really should have done something about it because yeah. I think it's so appealing, a character, and I think they're giving us just enough information about the baby, which is um, in the first episode... Uh, the client tells that it that baby Yoda 55. Yeah. Okay. That, that, that little guy's 55. So that also gives us, he does looking good. Yeah. I want to know what his secret is <laughs> his or her, sorry, their secret. I want to know what baby Yoda's secret is. If it's like, you know, like, are they, are they on the keto diet or like, what's, you know, they it's drinking lots regime. of, lots of water. Yes. And I think that's part of the race. Uh, because Yoda talk, I mean, isn't Yoda like eight or nine hundred when when he dies? I think so. Like that? Something nine, crazy. Nine hundred. <laughs> yeah, when nine hundred you reach. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I thought that this was just a great a great addition to the show, and I think that it's a very wolf and cub kind of story between Mandalorian and Baby Yoda, and I yes. think that works so well and plays into both the Japanese samurai inspiration that this story obviously has a lot of, as well as the spaghetti western, and I'm really excited to see what more info we're going to get because I think I'm hoping next season they'll give us as much as they've given us about the Mandalorians, they'll then give us about Yoda species. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, it's definitely a great move. Um, yeah, I I also saw that they they said something about it was to uh avoid leaks um i'm sure that there's some stuff that they could have done to be more prepared but uh, hey if you're gonna hold back merchandise so that we can actually you know live in a world where we're surprised when we watch something i'm all for it they know they're for gonna get reels. the money whenever they re when it whenever they release it so it doesn't matter that's true <laughs> that's true i will buy one yeah I'm going to buy you seven. Yes. I will take all seven. Yeah. Have one in every room in my house. Exactly. You know, it's so, yeah, not only is he super adorable, but as, as you know, Jonathan was already saying, like it opens up so much um, to uh, potentially learn about uh, this, this character. Uh, and, you know, Katie, you said, hope that we learn more about the species. From what I understand, uh, George Lucas has always been very, very intentionally, uh, guarded on Yoda species. Um, we don't know what Yoda species is. We don't know where Yoda is from. Um, so it's interesting to me that he always kept that very guarded, but now, now that Disney has taken over, they are, uh, going to explore that. My hope is I, I, I do, I would like to know more about the species. Um, 
my hope is yeah. that they they don't they, my hope is that they're not just rushing into it just to you know because yoda is cute and we need and we need more of yoda um and, and i don't think they are uh from the interviews that i've that i've watched with john favreau he seems to have a really really great uh relationship with george lucas seems to have a lot of admiration for him george lucas uh also seems to have a lot of admiration for john favreau and what he's able to do um so i i would imagine that any any story developments with characters like this i i would not surprise me if john favreau is still kind of running things by george lucas to to sit to you know pick his brain a bit and see where he can take this you know e- even though george lucas sold off star wars you know it's i still love when i hear about him being kind of consulted on- yeah yeah i think I, i'm glad that they're still using it and, you know they don't have to like at the end of the day they can just decide right. they don't want right. to do, they don't want to take, cause you know, it's not his baby anymore. Exactly. You know, do what you want, but at least ask him, you know, what does he, what does he think? <laughs> I think that, I think it's more of like, Hey, you might want to do this or like, you know, and they like say, thanks George, like, thanks for coming in. And then he leaves and then they just decide what they're going to, you know, but it is, I love that they still, you know, because obviously he got a bunch of grief over the prequels and stuff. But at the end of the day, this is, this is his, you know, like, yeah, it's ours now. It's everybody's. But like, you know, there is some like respect to, you know, remembering the person that, that gave it to us. And uh, it was his yeah. baby first. Yeah, it was his. Yep. Baby it was first. his baby Yoda first. <laughs> yeah, his baby Yoda first. Now it's our baby Yoda uh, and Katie's baby Yoda and yes. and Deanna's baby. You know, it's like everybody's. And uh, I'm glad that. Yeah, sorry to kick off. But yeah, I'm glad that they they, they still consult Lucas, even though, you know. Yeah. Well, my thoughts on Baby Yoda, they just need to do the magic hand thing, you know? Yeah. Yes. Jazz hands. Force hands. That was easily a fantastic (laughs) grief karga quote there. Come on, baby. Just do the magic hand thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then he waves. Yeah, and that was the best. <laughs> this hand, this hand. You want me to use this one? No. Oh gosh. Yeah, not for you. But on the merchandising note, you know, I went out. I bought a Mandalorian Funko, but I have to wait until yeah. May to get a Baby Yoda Funko. Ugh. What are you guys doing to me? <laughs> <laughs> it it was one of those things where obviously because they had given us the Mandalorian in the trailers and everything. It's like, okay, yes, you can have those Funkos prepared well in advance. But May does seem like a pretty bad timeline, in my opinion, given how many Star Wars Funkos there are out there already. It's not like Funko wasn't expecting to be making (laughs) Star Wars Funkos for literally anything that comes out ever again with Star Wars. But... They're all also basically the same structure. Yes. Like, <laughs> it's going to look like Yoda, just younger. <laughs> like, yeah, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it is but a little But it, it looks crazy. adorable. I, I will wait for May to come so <laughs> I can have it show up at my doorstep. Yeah, and my, May's my birthday, so I'm, I'm very pumped. I get Black Widow in May, and then I also get, uh, apparently, Baby Yoda Funko, so... Very pumped you for that, you should definitely get one of those. All for Jonathan's birthday. <laughs> yeah, no, yep. like not no, not so subtle. Hey guys, my birthday is in May fifth. You know, <laughs> just uh, you know, wants to get me a baby Yoda Funko, uh, or you know, just buy seven for my homegirl Katie. <laughs> yes, and uh, um, I'll, we'll we'll call it even. Um, You're gonna hide them yeah. in your roommates' rooms and just yeah. you know, baby Yoda's just gonna be popping up all over the place. It's like uh, like Elf on a Shelf, or uh, yeah, you know, yeah. like uh, what baby was Yoda like on in, a shelf. In, 
Yeah, just like, uh, but what, what was it at uh, that movie, Amelie, where it's just like the lawn gnome showing up everywhere, <laughs> going to send Baby Yoda on a trip? Yes, that would be fun. I am excited for the Baby Yoda merch to come, though. I know at least some other people, you know, third-party pin makers, everyone was really getting on the Baby Yoda train, and I follow a yeah. ton of artists on my personal Instagram account, so I was just scrolling through all the Baby Yoda photos and enjoying myself, and the character is great because not only did they use a puppet like they should have it's one of those things where you're just like we want to know more we have to know more about baby yoda because there is no history there we just know that the mandalorian was sent to kill this little adorable creature and chose not to so baby yoda changed the course of this guy's life because he just felt compelled to not complete his bounty and not let IG-11 complete the bounty either. So that first episode basically changed both characters' lives for the next eight episodes. And it seems like there's still a lot more to come with Baby Yoda. I can't imagine they'd be like, nope, you only get a season. That just would be ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. No, they, it looks like they've already greenlit the second season. Yeah. They just yeah. within the past couple of days, they've announced they've announced that it will come out. They haven't said when, but it's coming back in 2020. Soon enough. Thank God, at least 2020. 2020. Yeah, it might, exactly. be, it might be like the very last day of 2020. But... Right, the next, sometime in the next 360 days, we'll see some more Mandalorian. If, that, if you can literally give us like the first episode by the end of this year, given that it's like the quality of how it looks. Yeah, you know, take your time. Take, take your time. Your time. Yeah, the writing, like it was a little, like it was spotty here and there, but for the most part, pretty good. They've, they're going to learn from their mistakes this time yeah. around. We can get a really solid, I have a feeling second season's going to be where it hits its stride. Yeah. Well, I'm sure we'll get to overall thoughts, but if it, it felt like, you know, standard, uh, you know, season one pacing type, type things, yeah. you know, figuring, th figuring things out. But they, I believe uh, in watching the uh, the final episode, I know uh, both Katie and I watched the last episode, um, you know, pretty soon before we started recording. Uh, it it seemed like from the conversation with the uh, armor, which a character I feel like we didn't uh, bring up, but she was awesome. Oh yeah, yes she was. Yeah. she kind of has gives him the his next uh, RPG fetch quest where he has to go <laughs> and. Um, <laughs> That what was it called? The like the flying bird, or like were you trained in like the ways? The rising the, phoenix. Rising, the rising phoenix. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like... You know, because he finally got his upgrade. So yeah. she kind of says to him, like, "It's up to you. You have to figure out where he's from and bring him back to his people." So it kind of seemed like that is the the kickoff to where uh, season two will be heading. I'm sure he'll it'll be him continuing to to raise yeah. uh, baby Yoda and try and learn more about where where they came from and hopefully he will have a little bit more control over his jetpack yeah. so yep. you know that that'll make things a little impressive though for he, first he go did just get yeah. you know smacked in the head pretty pretty good so. <laughs> yeah that bacta hasn't yeah. completely <laughs> magicked his head better i guess yeah 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 still drying it's still drying it's still drying <laughs> yeah it's still drying you know it's like you know He's like uh, Humpty Dumpty. They glued his head back together with Bacta. <laughs> you know, when she gave it to him, it's one of those moments where she was like, here's your next step. Here's the jetpack. And then 
you have to let it learn to listen to you. So it's almost like this jetpack has a life of its own. And I think it'll be exciting to see that connection because it was just another little tidbit of Mandalorian history that we didn't really know. Like if you have seen Rebels, you know about the jetpacks, you know, Boba has a jetpack and you don't really know anything other than that. And so I thought that was just a nice little addition when she was giving him this next mission with baby Yoda. Boba's not great with his jetpack. <laughs> no, no, probably because yeah. he didn't get the proper training. He just went out yep. and did his thing and that was that. But what did you guys like about this season's story arc? It had some highs and lows and we'll talk about the lows soon. But what were some of your favorite moments from this particular story arc? Gosh, I actually, I mean, like, don't get me wrong. I loved the way it looked right out the gate, but I don't think I actually really became invested until the third episode, the one that Bryce Dallas Howard directed. Um, she was the fourth, not to... Oh, she was the fourth, yeah. excuse me. Uh, I don't even remember what the third episode was then. The third is he returns uh, He returns with the child. Or no, he returns... No, he returns to get the child. Oh, yeah. That's right. That's right, because he hands yeah. it off, gets all the Beskar, upgrades his armor, and then goes back. Yeah, Uh I, yeah, I, I felt like I really got invested, though, in that episode that Bryce Dallas Howard did. And like, what a phenomenal job she did with that. I have I, I know she's probably directed a few other things, and, and I, I now really do want to go see what else she's directed. But I really enjoyed that episode. And, um, you know, we finally get the sense of, like, this character can care for people. He's not just, you know, trying to go collect money and and and, and serve up bounties. And I also, I think uh, someone mentioned earlier about the scene where he takes off his helmet, but you just don't see it. <laughs> it's just, I love that though. I thought that it was kind of like showed how cavalier he was about it, but that like, I felt like in that moment, it was like, they were showing, they were like setting the whole tone. We're like, okay, you guys care too much about this helmet. Like it's really like strapping for other stuff. Um, and, you know, just having the actual, was it the at-at or ATST or ATST? Yeah, yeah. the ATST showing up, like, those, perfect. Those big, big red eyes. Oh. Yeah, like, I love that this whole, the whole show, like, yeah, we've, we've talked about how it's a spaghetti western, and I didn't even think about the samurai uh, uh, stuff until now, and it's... I love that, but then you get those subtle hints. You're like, oh, yeah, don't forget you're in Star Wars. Like, you don't need the giant space battles with all of the X-Wings. You can just have them, like, like have the TIE Fighter strategically show up at the end. And I love, you know, like, from things like that to the ATST. it's not like we don't need it to be, like, this giant thing. It can still be Star Wars in a contained space. And I felt like that was what was so great about this show. It's like, let's play in this sandbox and yeah, we're going to like have a few things tie back to what you know, like Baby Yoda. But what about like they haven't mentioned the Skywalkers at all, thankfully. Like, I don't know. I, I feel like that's that's what this show has done so well is that it shows that it can be Star Wars, but on a smaller scale. And I think like we've all kind of come to realize and we're all talking about how we grew up you know, either reading what is now legend, I always think expanded universe, but it sounds like all of us have some sort of tie to those stuff. So we've always known it could be like that between the books and the video games over the years, we've known that star Wars could be this. And I just felt like this season captured that really well. Like there were definitely, you know, we can get to it later on, but 
there were definitely moments that I weren't uh, wasn't crazy about, but overall, I thought they did a solid job. I'm strapped in for season two. I can't wait, but it also makes me excited about what is coming for other franchise. Like I'm so excited for all the Marvel TV shows, and I remember my biggest, uh, uh, I guess, feeling going in is like you know even with Agents of Shield, which is like pretty good writing, it looks like a TV show. Like there's moments where it doesn't, but for the most part, it does. This felt like I was watching a movie, you know, every week, like the production quality of a movie. And it really did feel like Star Wars. And so now I feel good knowing that, like, we're going to have that same type of budget and potentially look to the Marvel shows. And so just what it means for Disney at large and these types of properties, moving these film properties to a more digestible weekly format uh, is... It works. And so, yeah, I was very happy with it. I'm I'm super excited for season two. I think my favorite story arc is the watching the relationship between Mando and Baby Yoda grow. How it starts out to how it ends. And each episode gives us a little bit more about that. And we see an incredible change take place in the Mandalorian, which he's not unlikable. I think in the first episode, like he seems, he's a cool badass. but yeah, absolutely. By the time you get to the last episode, we know some very important things about him. Like I thought it was a great thing that they included the scenes uh, with his birth parents dying and him being rescued by the Mandalorians and seeing how he's brought into this, which gives you a whole new level of understanding why he is so bonded with baby Yoda because he sees, you know, his own history. And I think they play that really well. It's pretty, it's not all up in your face. It's subtly threaded throughout the whole series. And I just, I loved that. I think, it was my favorite part is seeing this relationship grow and develop. And there's so many great little moments <laughs> in this. And I think most of them that are outside of like the main storyline all involve Werner Herzog uh, <laughs> or Carl Weathers because he makes the best jokes. Um, and I think I liked the show from the very first episode. I really enjoyed it and saw like such a lot of potential because I saw that they had really committed to telling something that didn't touch on anything that we've seen before in the movies. There's a bunch of stuff that from the, the rest of the lore, but this show was really committed to just being its own thing and telling its story without dragging in too much uh, fan service, which we'll talk about it in the low points, but when it didn't do that, I thought it was really, really great. So, and I'm glad they made it. And I'm also really excited to see what they do with the Marvel shows because this speaks well for the possibilities at least. Yeah. I mean, I I'm, I'm right there with you, uh, Katie, with the, just the development of Mando's character um, and his bond with uh, baby Yoda. Um, I, I was definitely hooked from the, from the first episode, uh, even, even solely from just the fact that I just loved the, the tone and I loved the simplicity around it. I, I loved the, um, how he was in the beginning, he had just had very limited dialogue. You know, he had that, um, 
mysterious guy coming into the uh coming into the town in the old west you know it's very uh very it's very clint eastwood yeah yeah exactly and in the leone it, films yes and so which speaking of there's a uh i'll have to give a link to deanna so she can put it in the notes there's a fantastic uh trailer edit that somebody did to make uh to uh, make the show have kind of a uh, Sergio Le- uh, Leone um, like spaghetti western trailer for the show, and it's so well done. It's really really good. Um, but yeah, it's exactly like a very very Clint Eastwoody thing where he, when he has his line of "I can bring you in warm or bring you in cold," you know, just that yes, quick. You know, it's and when he gets his first bounty and the guy's talking about you know if I could be back by uh by life day or something he's just and just simply just not likely and then boom uh encased in carbonite you know it's uh to have that very cold and distant portrayal to start and then to see throughout the the season how he develops and how he opens up and i feel like because of baby yoda he it opens him up to the friendships with uh, with Cara Dune to the uh, to the potential of a relationship with I wish I wrote down her her character in the on the in the episode with the village. Um, I think it's Omara. Omara, Omara yeah. or Omara, it's Omara, something like that. Yeah, and so it's like it. I feel like it made him more open to to such things. Whereas maybe without that, maybe he would have remained more cold and distant. Um, so that was. I really enjoyed that because while the first few episodes, uh, it did feel like that very fetch questy type thing. And it's like, well, is this really pushing a story forward? And at first, that's what I thought. And I'm like, oh, like, I kind of want this to to take things forward more. But then when I thought about it, I'm like, but it is within these scenes where he is just going off and doing these things, the story with him and his character development and his relationship with uh, baby Yoda, that is what's pushing forward, even within these little missions that aren't necessarily part of the big picture, but then it all comes together. Um, They're definitely, yeah, there definitely were uh, ups and downs in, uh, in tone and and some other things. And we'll get to that. But as far as favorite moments, uh, I, There's there's a bunch. I mean, I loved that in the I I remember getting really hyped up when he uh like pulls himself forward with his grapple and hops on the the gun and just spins around in the first episode and takes out all the bad guys. Like I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is so awesome." And on top of that, I as a kid, I always loved IG88 and this I know this is IG11, but it's basically the same thing. Um so it was just really cool to see that in action in live action um uh everything with Werner Herzog fantastic uh I really loved the uh E.T. homage uh when he meets Baby Yoda and they're both just pointing their fingers at each other um and uh, and that that might not even be an E.T. homage but that's how I felt Um, yeah I think a lot of people like definitely see a little (laughs) finger like that yeah and he heals yeah exactly he's just like i'll be right here um and uh between that uh i really enjoyed a lot of the stuff with um the episode uh when he's with that other uh 
that other crew with like Bill Burr and everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Clancy Brown pops up in that, which I thought was hilarious. Clancy Brown. Yes. I wouldn't be surprised that E.T. moment, Kathleen Kennedy, her first produ- production yeah. credit is on True. E.T. E.T., so yeah. I wouldn't be so surprised be. if Jean Favreau threw it in there. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. And so it's like I, I really love just a ton of just little moments throughout, just the things they did visually, like when he captures uh, Bill Burr's character, you know, and he's coming down the hallway and there's the flashing lights, you know, stuff yeah. like that was just so cool. So it's, I mean, it's, I could sit here and go all day about things that I, that I really, really enjoyed, which, you know, I think is a real testament for the fact that when we get to the low points, I don't have that many, you know, they stand out to me, but they don't take away from what I otherwise think was a really solid uh, first season story arc, really flowed um, nicely. Yeah, I'll cut myself off. (laughs) (laughs) It's safe to say all of us enjoyed that village episode. It was called Sanctuary, and that is the one that Bryce Dallas Howard directed. So you have this episode that clearly clicked with all of us for one reason or another. And for me, not only was it that you see this side of Mando that you don't see up until that point really you really get a sense for how baby yoda is affecting him in this and how much he wishes he could probably just settle down even though he knows he can't and you see that emotion come through even though you don't see his face and this episode too you're building up that camaraderie with him and Cardoon. so you have all these moving pieces for him that are going to ultimately affect his life, whether he likes it or not. You know, he tries to seem like he's sort of this cold person and is just a bounty hunter and a Mandalorian. And he does his thing. He lives by a code and that's the end of it, but that's truly not the end of it. And we see that shine through in this episode. Plus you have the fact that he hates droids so much, which I thought was a great running theme throughout the season because it gives him a chance to continue growing. The fact that he has to reveal himself to IG-11 because IG-11 is technically not a being, so he can take his helmet off in the presence of a droid, no matter how much he hates them. And then, you know, you have the, I think it was the R2 unit that was modified in the boat there. And he's just like, I do not trust this droid. So even though IG-11 kind of warmed up to him after a while, he still has this thing with droids that I thought was just a fun little touch throughout the season. And the fact that they made IG-11 a nurse droid, too, and that Queel did that. That was delightful. It was so good. And Queel, too, his sacrifice was just so heartbreaking because you have Mando trying oh to get God, a hold yeah. of him and trying yeah. to get a hold of him. And I think this season just did the ending so well to leave you satisfied with these eight episodes overall and then kind of keep you thinking about all these things that happened at the same time. But, you know, I think we can talk about some low points. I know they'll probably mostly be the same ones, I think, for all of us. And, more likely than not, few and far between. Jonathan, I know you were yeah. texting me throughout, though, and was like, you know, I'm not liking this quite as much as everyone else, but you seem to come around a little more by the end. I did come around. I absolutely did. And it's very wrong. Like, it does not give me pleasure in saying I don't like what everyone else <laughs> like clearly loves. Like, I 
will be the first to acknowledge in my old age that I'm like the I'm becoming the curmudgeon old man and I will acknowledge that most of the time like it was just more like little things like um certain pacing on certain episodes like I said I felt like that gunslinger episode could just we could have done without the whole thing it was just it was just like fan service but like the worst kind because it just wasn't it didn't serve any actual purpose to the story I felt like I don't remember anything with like any of the other it just felt like kind of like a an episode of the week like an adventure of the week type of thing but it didn't i don't remember it tying into the big bigger story at all um i felt like certain part like certain episodes could have been shorter and and like i don't mean like they should have been it just means like i felt like the story may not have been as good as it could have been or they could have filled it in with some more stuff like the episode with bill burr where they're trying to break that uh twilight is it twilight i believe so Twilight out of uh, the Twilight brother and sister and like getting getting him out of jail, like space jail. Like, I don't know. It just felt like it dragged on at points uh, where there where he's like hunting all of them down. And I just remember feeling like this isn't how I should feel about this type of thing where he's like going after all of them. But it just felt like it kept going on and on at certain points. Um, but like I said, mostly just pacing stuff like I I love all the characters you know with the exception of Carnival's son uh wasn't wasn't big on the gunslinger but like you know even though like i said some of these were just clearly cameos for the sake of cameos it was okay it was fun like the main cast delivered carl weathers was awesome pedro pascal was great even through a mask like you, you to develop that type of character we don't even see them 95 percent 98 percent of the show whatever like i thought uh i thought it was good but like yeah there weren't really a whole lot of low points to me like i said i felt like um a lot of the stuff that like i didn't enjoy they're gonna they're gonna have uh worked out a lot better because in second season you don't have to introduce us to all these characters you know so i think that some of those stories obviously served as like a purpose to get us introduced to certain things, but like overall, I really enjoyed it. It's really hard to pick stuff that I didn't like. I totally agree that there's, you know, there's not much to, to dislike about this show. If you're a fan or for me, there's not much to dislike about this show. I think there was for me, the lowest points in watching it were when it feels a bit fan servicey. Like there weren't, there were a couple of, scenes where they just take it a little too far and I was like no no I don't it's a real hard balancing act to walk because otherwise it does end up feeling kind of like a first superhero movie you know like the introduction and origin yes yeah the origin story is almost never as good as the movies that come after yeah Hence why Spider-Man 2 is considered far superior to Spider-Man 1, um, which is But true. nothing's better than Spider-Man 3. Yeah, yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah, don't you even, Katie, don't, I see you walking the line to start talking trash on Spider-Man 3. And, uh, <laughs> hey, I don't have to Be careful, you should have done I don't have anything bad to say about Spider-Man 3, I might have to Toby dance all over you. <laughs> but overall, I think they really kind of avoided a lot of those pitfalls in there isn't too much info dump i think mm-hmm. there's a couple of moments as well with that where it feels like too much telling instead of showing but overall i think they really tried to keep that stuff to a minimum and i was very appreciative of that then there are some scenes with the dialogue especially in the episodes 
we're talking about the, the one with the assassin and uh, oh gosh, what was the other one? The guns. Oh, you mean the episode or the, the yeah, character? The, the, the gunslinger, gunslinger yeah. episode. No, there's scenes in that one and in the scenes with um, where he goes with the crew okay. to go and heist that guy. Those two episodes were probably the most lacking in the dialogue department. Like they, yeah. those yeah. scripts needed a bit Absolutely. of a punch up, I would say. Yes. But in general, it worked. And it's still enjoyable to watch. So, I mean, I feel like it's all a little nitpicky, but that's what we're here to talk about. So yeah. <laughs> I'll nitpick away a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I'm just going to pack on to the gunslinger. He sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, he's dead now. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. it's he's like he's with Jar Jar now. Yeah. It's yeah, it's just like it. I, I, I didn't like I didn't like his delivery. I that episode I was as Katie was talking about fan service, the introduction of his character, like having him sit there with his feet up on it and clearly trying to invoke like Han Solo on us. I was like, this is in that sacred, that, that spot too. Nonetheless, like it was just in the exact spot. It's just, there's, there's times where fan service can be a ton of fun. Yeah. And then there's times when it just, it just felt really hokey. Like it just, I don't know. It felt, uh, felt like bringing Palpatine back. Yeah. Forced. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like yes. a zombie. It felt zombied. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, uh, uh, stuff like that. I didn't like the scene with the, or the episode with the crew and everything. I thought the action and everything was very exciting in that episode. But, uh, as far as like story and everything, it's just kind of, to me, that episode didn't feel necessary to the season, but the fact that he captures them all and doesn't kill them yeah. makes me think that that was that was an episode to whether it's to tease their that crew's inclusion in stuff in season two or the possibility that they might show up in another Disney Plus show. I that's kind of how I felt about that episode. It's almost like a back not a backdoor pilot, but later. a backdoor yeah. yeah, a backdoor origin to to that crew. Yeah. Um so uh and I enjoyed the crew. It's just kind of at the at the time in the season it's like, all right, well we I, I felt like we we're kind of on the 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 rise towards the conclusion of the the season and this was a sidestep but it it was still exciting stuff so it's like my nitpickiness of that that episode i i was still entertained and so that and i think that's the the good thing about this this show in this first season is that the stuff that that i do feel nitpicky about like it didn't really take take away from from any one episode um you know the the scene with the stormtroopers at the beginning of the last episode, I think it's hilarious, but personally, it just feels really out of place from the rest of the show to me. It felt like an SNL digital short. <laughs> yeah. I, I might be... It did. I, of course, because yeah, like, Sudeikis only like exactly. hypes that even more. Yeah. Know? And so, it to me, that was really, really funny, and... If it was a digital short on SNL, like I, I would have loved it, um, and I still enjoyed it watching it. But it was just kind of the the last episode to me. I absolutely loved Taika Waititi, but I I felt like there was tone issues there. I think it corrected itself after that, and yeah. it, I mean that scene was worth it alone just to see IG Eleven show up and just completely wreck the two of them. <laughs> yeah, can, we, so can we say yeah. though, like how how odd is it that they were able to take out? quill from far away but then they just have this whole montage of how shitty they are at target practice yeah. it's yep. like yeah. felt a little like that was like to, it's like 
I know that I'm like obviously looking once again like the curmudgeon old man. I'm like, okay, just like enjoy the fact that they gave us a really funny, yeah, very exactly. Taika Waititi scene in a Star Wars show. Uh, and, and just enjoy what you're being given right now. But yeah, that part definitely felt a little, little like it went on just maybe a few too long, um, but still enjoyable. Yeah, like that's my thing. It was it was very funny. It was very enjoyable. But if I'm to look at it from like a critical standpoint of the episode, it just felt really out of place. But uh, the rest of the episode was, you know, incredibly great in all its highs. Despite that, the, you know, IG-11 sacrifice uh, was was a highlight. So it's it anytime there was something that I was just kind of like, eh, I don't know, there was a thousand other things to to get me hyped up and excited so i'm sure if i thought about it there might be other nitpicky things but frankly after the really long rise of skywalker episode i just want to think about positive things (laughs) yeah (laughs) the fact that you think that scene should have been a short or something kind of reminds me of what pixar does a lot you know i don't know if you guys have watched any of the shorts on disney plus but after Just Toy Story forky. 4, yeah, they put out the Forky ones and that immediately came to mind when, Tim, you said it should have been like an SNL digital short or something. They could yeah. have just put that on Disney Plus as like a fun little oh. bonus thing. Right, give or us, like an Give us Star clip. Wars short films. Yes. Give us Star Wars short films. <laughs> oh, that'd be so, like a, a Below Decks, like they have a couple, they have a couple episodes of Star Trek yeah. where it all takes place Below Decks. Oh, like the that, shirts that or something? Like, yeah, like just the people who go about there every day, like keeping the ship clean and oh, stuff like gosh. that. Oh, Oh my god, please give me that. I would be so excited. That's a Star Trek thing that's coming? There's a couple of episodes in Next Generation and DS9 where they do that. Okay. Um, but there is going to be an entire show coming on CBS uh, that is all below deck stuff. That's great. That's, that's awesome. fun. I like when shows give you that bonus material. And, you know, with something like a Pixar movie, you know they have to plan it out. It's not bloopers right. necessarily because they're literally animating these things. So even when they take the Wait, time what? to do bloopers, it's just so fun because I'm like, yes, you thought to do animated bloopers. Thank you. Yeah, yep, and they're the like, bloops. and they're written. They're actually yeah. written bloopers. I mean, it's like, yep. yeah, that was everybody so wants bloops. Yeah. It's funny when I was typing up my notes for this, I was like, oh, there weren't really any low points for me. But then as you all brought up the gunslinger episode, I was like, I don't really remember that character. So clearly (laughs) it was a low point for me if I don't even remember it. But I think, you know, it was one of those things where the low points weren't so drastically low to where I was like, oh, this ruined everything for me because Jonathan like you said it was sort of a new adventure each week Uh, how do we keep baby Yoda alive each week basically (laughs) and it was just fun to get that kind of feel even if it was a little disjointed at times because Star Wars hasn't really done something like this before like I said with the animated shows they would do two three four episode arcs sure you'd have your one-off episodes but they would take time on certain stories and with this they gave you a full story start to finish but they kind of broke it up in a way to where you were like okay this week we're doing this this week we're meeting his old crew and sort of getting a little more about his background without them really saying too much and while that episode wasn't one of the best it was something you could still pull at least some important information from by the end of it so the low points weren't too terribly low for me so that leads me to my final question for you guys overall thoughts on this season and did the season 
make you more excited for season two? Yes, I'm all about it. I'm I'm super excited. I like I said, I think that they've now fleshed out these characters to where uh, we're on board and we're ready to see what's next for them. I do hope uh, and I, I've mentioned this in the past um, that, you know, we know what Star Wars can be between some amazing video games. Uh, Tim, have you played uh the the what was it the, the fallen new, order fallen order weren't we talking about that last time yeah we spoke? it it arrived while we were recording uh, <laughs> yeah. i i have started it it's super awesome and that's actually the reason that i'm not further in rebels because I keep playing it. <laughs> I got but, and i will be i will be playing it after we wrap up here today so <laughs> all this star wars that we've been given you know you're like having trouble balancing it all <laughs> exactly i get it uh yeah i mean i we know what star wars can be and this has shown what star wars can be and uh i'm super excited especially given you know and i'm curious for the people like it sounds like uh deanna and katie have both watched uh uh, rebels is this correct both of you have watched that nope i haven't seen it oh you haven't seen it okay so i you know now we have potentially because there's only one dark saber we didn't even mention like the the juan carlos uh, esposito uh uh ending there but you know they revealed which is kind of a connection to rebels because Mm -hmm. the dark saber exists in the rebels tv show and um i heard people trying to like speculate whether because i guess dave filoni is what the writer or producer on rebels but also has deep involvement in this show and people uh, uh some bloggers that i follow were have all had episodes where they're trying to speculate for season two, if like they'll somehow try to tie in animated characters and cross the animated characters over into the film stuff. Cause we haven't really gotten that yet. Um, and I'm not saying it's a necessarily a good or a bad idea. I'm, I would be, it would definitely make me go back and watch rebels. Like it would have, you know, I'm not, I'm already going to do that, but it would absolutely for someone who now knows that there's more of this character that's popping up, it would be a great way to like boost that type of stuff. And, and once again, I feel like that's gotta be a part of Disney's plan, right? You, they, there was a whole, you know, thing of people saying that they were going to leave Disney plus after, uh, after Mandalorian had finished. And I'm sure that there were probably a handful of people that did, but I don't think it's as large as, as some would like you to believe. Um, and, I, I do think that like enough people are going to stick around and they're going to have enough content, but you know, that's a good way that Disney can make sure that people stick around on their services. If they start tying it together into existing properties. So I I'm curious to see if they do something like that, but yeah, overall, very, 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 very excited. Yeah. I thought this show, like I said at the beginning, like I thought it was even better than what it could have been in my mind because I was really on the fence about how good it would be and it turned out like the production values are so fantastic and the music uh Ludwig Göransson is the is the composer for this show um and he has also done a bunch of other really great scores including yeah. I think my favorite of And his that theme song did he do the theme song? Yeah, he did. The theme he song did. is amazing. And he played a bunch of like the individual instruments are all him. Like and then he had a backing like 70 piece orchestra that he used to do the rest of it and one of the biggest things about a successful spaghetti western is the score like that is Mm -hmm. 
a lot uh, you know that's why Sergio Leone is so well known at, not just because of his amazing cinematography and his stories but because of that amazing score and the good the bad and the ugly and I think this show really captured all of those elements and brings them together and puts them in a Star Wars universe but you know it didn't necessarily at times even feel like a Star Wars universe because it's so separate from what we know of the movies from all the rest of the material like the games and the books and comics and everything no then it does feel very much of a piece but if you've only seen you know the nine movies then watching this like it does feel very fresh and very new and with how much love was put into this show they totally won me over and I think I'm really excited to see what they do with season two. I think they've set themselves up really well. And I do think that now, like you guys have said, now that we have gotten the intros out of the way and now we can move on to really getting into the meat of the story mm -hmm. and what's going to happen with these people. I think they'll hopefully, fingers crossed, I think they'll blow it out of the water and we'll have more fun to talk about. And I'm sure there will still be a few nitpicky things, but for the most part, I think Disney Plus really, it was worth it. The, you know, however much I've spent on it over these past couple of months, worth it just to watch this show and convince Disney, make more, more, please. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I can't agree more. I mean, overall, it was a really uh, solid first season. Uh, thank you for pointing out the uh, and shouting out the composer because yes. the the music was perfect. The the that tiny little flute. And then the the march of the uh, of the main theme, um, it, it's it was just phenomenal. I mean, that was one of the things that set the tone for me. You had this gorgeous cinematography, and then and then just this very simple and subtle score. And that's those are the two things that hooked me right from the beginning. Um, and so you know, incredible job by by him. And I'm really looking forward to seeing. Um, uh, what themes and stuff he develops for the, for the following season. Um, you know, it's, I want to shout out a really awesome moment that I really loved when Mando in the last episode would, before he gets, you know, blown up when he first like bursts out the door, he like bursts out the door and fires his gun. And I recommend people like going back and watching this moment because the music cues are so on point with the beat of what happens that it, and it, it's like that could come across hokey, but it doesn't like it's, uh, it's just done so well. And frankly, that is kind of a very spaghetti Western type thing. I mean, the music, the music does feel very self-aware in the, in those films, um, in the way that they connect, uh, to exactly what's happening. Um, sometimes it feels over the top, but not over the top. Like, I don't know how to explain it, but it's, so I really enjoyed that. The practical effects, as I talked about before, I will always, always, always support practical effects, but even the, the CGI that, that, that was used, I was very impressed for, uh, for a live action series. The production value of this, um, was definitely a huge high and I enjoyed the characters, the worlds that we visited. It definitely makes me not only excited for season two, um, I, though the comments that I've seen on, online from Disney saying that more familiar characters will be, uh, involved in season two, it makes me a little bit nervous, but I will be cautiously optimistic and hope that, you know, whatever characters they bring in, I just 
hope they just they handle them with care and it feels natural as long as nothing's shoehorned in and it just suits the story and fits in with the time frame that this uh show exists yeah cool they could it could still be really great so i'm i'm looking forward to that katie as you mentioned the the feel of it that it it didn't always feel star wars and that that is really great about this because it it's like when you watch the the marvel movies and they all you know a lot there is you know a lot of connectivity in in those and a lot of samey feel but when they do allow them to uh to branch into those other genres this is an example of that where it's you know you uh, as jonathan mentioned when that atsd show shows up and you're just like oh my god that's right this is a star wars thing because you're just wrapped up in the moment before that um so it it makes me excited for season two but also for the other star wars live actions that we're going to get uh i believe we're getting a cassian show i'm not sure yes we what, are. Cassian timeline. And yeah and we're getting yeah i'm not sure what the timeline is on that but or on on kenobi but i'm excited for both of those and if yeah. the if the quality of the production and the writing uh can be you know even half of this i, I think we're in good shape so i'm excited to see where it goes yeah. What about you, Deanna? I'm just glad that they kicked this off with The Mandalorian as the first live action show, because if they had been like, oh, we're bringing in Kenobi, which don't get me wrong, I am totally going to watch the Kenobi show, Absolutely. but it just would have felt like they were giving us something we've already had either with the movies, with the animated yeah. shows, because Kenobi was very, very present in the Clone Wars animated show. So we've seen a lot of that character, and he has great storylines in there. And it's not that I don't want more of that character. It's just nice to have something new and fresh and, you know, whether or not it connects on a bigger scale. We'll see if they do that in season two. But what they gave us in season one was just so different and refreshing because you know especially after discussing the rise of skywalker we're we were all kind of like okay give us something else <laughs> you know if we're, yeah. we're done with the skywalkers <laughs> let's, for now let's, let's do something else yeah and this was that and it came out simultaneously with the movie so a lot of star wars all the time since you guys haven't seen rebels in full for you tim you know that's that's my homework for you guys i think it's something all of you would appreciate and enjoy, even though it's, you know, quote unquote, a kid's show. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't care. I that. hate, I hate when people say that cartoons have to be kids shows. Like yeah. It's, you know, yeah. with, we're with... not watching Daniel Tiger here. Or something, <laughs> for those whoa, of you whoa, whoa, who are whoa. familiar with what Daniel Tiger is. <laughs> I don't even know I'm what I'm literally it is. about to say, I'm going to have to go Google what Daniel Tiger is. <laughs> but... Daniel Tiger is a, is a kid. It's for like, Three enough. I know what Peppa Pig is. I know what Peppa Pig and is. And Daniel Tiger is um, the character from Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Oh, yeah. We won't hate so. too hard because you know it's, it's that's it. my youth. No, I I've remember got that. Nothing against it, but yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's. I mean, that's the cool thing about the Rebels, and I, I think I I was uh, talking to Deanna about it when I started watching. Yeah. It. Like when they first announced it, and they were showing how it looked and everything. I really enjoyed Clone Wars, and I and so this one. Uh, I think was uh, one of the first ones when Disney took over, if I'm correct. But they're like similar style, correct? Like yeah. It's same an it's same animation style. It's similar style, and but it's just kind of like I guess some of the marketing. I was like, oh, it feels like it's a little more kid friendly. But then I started watching it, and it's like, yes, it's a kid show, but, but not really. <laughs> but not really. You know, it's definitely 
Um, it, it doesn't hold back, um, you know, when it, uh, when it needs to, it, it allows itself to get dark. It allows itself to get philosophical. And so like all the best cartoons, you know, when you look back at, you know, the old X-Men ones, the old Spider-Man ones, Batman, the animated series, yes. like, they, they were kids shows, but they treated kids in an intelligent way. And that's something that I really enjoy about, um, that that I'm really enjoying about Rebels and you yeah, know, the, I forget. Are we getting another Clone Wars season? Didn't they say they're yes, going to bring the back final, a cl- final Clone the final Wars season. in like a month, yeah. like like really soon? Is it yeah. going to all drop at once, or is it going to be a weekly thing? I have no idea on that front. Maybe they'll do yeah. like a I three episode drop, and then oh yeah. Sometimes with yeah. animated shows, they'll handle it a little differently. Like I was watching okay. the new Young Justice series on DC Universe, and they would drop like two, three at episodes time? at a time. Even mm-hmm. though with the hour long shows, they would only do one a week. So I don't know if they're going to take that approach or what. But yes, more Star Wars to come. I am very excited for it. not yeah. only season two of this, but season seven i guess of clone wars yeah well i was gonna say a quick thought and it doesn't have to be anything drawn out but on the fact that you know this was a weekly show yeah what is everybody's thoughts on kind of this uh it seems to be a decent rise in shows uh being being a bit more weekly now instead instead of being all released at once like what's everyone's thought i personally love it and i think it i think it makes it way easier for me to consume but also it everyone gets to be participate yeah it allows that conversation like in between episodes we can talk about it and and have that anticipation of what's coming next so i personally like it and so i i hope i hope they continue with this i i'm honestly so happy you brought that up because i was just about to bring up the same thing i i was gonna say it's such a relief even though i love binging you know like when the new season of marvelous miss basil hit like i knew what my weekend was (laughs) but I love that this allowed everyone to be on the same page and enjoy it together or not enjoy it together. I have, you know, I'm sure we all talked. I, I know Deanna was like watching my text and I was like, I'm not really crazy about this one. And like, <laughs> you know, it's it, I like that we all get to watch it together. And it, like I said, it, it enables folks who may not be able to like may not have weekends, you know, or folks that like I'm sure Katie can appreciate you. have got kids. They don't yeah. have like I have all the time in the world. I'm a single single person like, <laughs> like i'm and it's but you know like i i have the time to do this stuff but not everyone has the time to binge an entire show and so i it's honestly been kind of a relief that i didn't expect i remember hearing it was going to be weekly and i was like oh that's a bummer but only because i'm so used to it but then you don't really end up talking about the show a whole bunch that way if it's bingeable right you know it's like a flash in the about- pan you talk about it for like that weekend and then it's like okay a year later oh yeah that's right that show's back Right. And this allows you to appreciate it. Each episode gets its own bit of dialogue instead of like, and if you, if you write stuff, like if you write about TV and it means you have to tell like the whole story, you have to talk about the whole thing as, as a, as a construct and as a complete work of art. Whereas the weekly release allows everyone to like digest what is this episode about and how does it contribute to the overarching narrative and where is it taking us? And like, sometimes that can be so much more interesting to talk about than like, well, what does this show mean? And how do we feel about its inclusion of this or that or whatever? Like, I think this allows us to kind of take it in as a whole individually, which kind of sounds contrary but not <laughs> i totally understand what you mean though it's one of those things where you know you know i binge watch stranger things three in one day but then like 
four weeks later, I was like, wait, did that happen in that what season? Happened? Yeah. And that's why I feel like the right. recaps for Netflix are so handy because I never yeah. ever, you never think you need it. But like when it's a show that you straight up like binge in one weekend, you forget it so quickly that I don't feel like I'll have that problem when it comes to like, I could probably still give you a synopsis of all eight episodes in a row, you know, now that that Tim's helped me out <laughs> with one or two of them. Clearly, I still, I still didn't remember now. the gunslinger, though. So, you know, it's one of those <laughs> yeah, things you didn't where... miss much. Well, it was a very forgettable episode. <laughs> it also could have been an episode where I was on my phone more during it, and I just didn't retain most of it. Yeah, well, think about it this way. It was a forgettable episode set on the most unforgettable place, Tatooine. Right? And, like, like, isn't that sad? Yeah. <laughs> it's like... Yeah, true. but it was... Yeah, it was just too easy to check out yeah. in that episode. It's like, oh, I've seen this. So much wasted. But yeah, absolutely. Like I'm, And also the fact that, you know, not only was this weekly, but we don't, I think we talked about this during our Rise of Skywalker talk. To my knowledge, there aren't any Star Wars films on the calendar. Like it's just, I think it's... Not on the calendar, but they've been greenlit. Yeah, I think they're figuring it out. The Game of Thrones producers walked away from theirs i guess the ryan johnson one might still happen and i guess uh what's his name kevin feige is supposed to be doing one from uh, yeah there's ryan johnson's trilogy is still on as far as i know i was just looking on imdb while we were uh for many many questions to be answered while (laughs) we're doing this and uh kathleen kennedy is still on there yeah and i think ryan johnson said that the as far as it being called a trilogy like he i i don't it it seem it seems like he hasn't necessarily like committed to it being a trilogy. Yeah, he's he signed for three movies. That's yeah, but his, his yeah, contract. so his his thing. Um, and the the most recent rumor is that the the next like the next focus is going to be during like the High Republic. So like the oh awesome the old order of Jedi's and Sith. And the, I I'm cool with that. Just give me a bunch of Jedi and Sith like fighting each other. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's cool, too, because it's something new. But also, like, the one thing I've said, and I really hope that they someday explore, is, like, what happens after the final yeah. order? You know, like, what – I want to know what happens. Like, they've given us Ray and all of these characters that they clearly left alive for a reason. <laughs> like, Yeah. Everyone just hangs out in a bar, and they give me the Cheers sitcom that I've been watching. Yeah, damn Star Wars straight. Universe. Oh, that's my all God. I want. Yeah. Like, set to the set to the tone, if they could somehow bring back the band from Jabba's Bars back from the dead. <laughs> yes. You know, like, oh, my God. That and weird like little furry guy that, that lunges at the camera. Yeah. Well, I give, think give, that they, uh, <laughs> and I think even in, in, in um, I don't know if any of you have ever been on the old version of Star Tours at Disney, but yes. the new version, they don't have that robot in, like, the shuttle anymore, but he's at the Star Wars, like, the bar the actual bar that you oh. can like. He's like now a bartender. Oh, in Galaxy's Edge? Yeah, Galaxy's oh, Edge. Awesome. I'm so bummed I didn't go to that before I left California. That's like one I, of my I big still regrets. Been. I was like, oh. I'm still in California. I was so close to it. <laughs> yeah, my godson was just there and they were sending me pictures. You want to do a, want to arrange a group trip? <laughs> we're well, all yes. going to let's, California. Let's all meet up. Yeah, let's all meet up. Katie, you bring the kid. You know, like, let's. let's <laughs> Welcome big, to Geekdom Meetup here. We're planning, guys. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Well, I want to thank you all for coming on to talk about The Mandalorian Season 1. Obviously, since the Season 2 has been greenlit, I'll probably be putting a roundtable together for that one, too. And 
you know, it's always fun to talk Star Wars. There's so much of it out there. I'll probably have to cover some of the books and comics eventually because I'm sort of making it a resolution here in 2020 to cover more TV shows and comic books and things like that because last year was very, very Marvel movie heavy because I wanted to finish up all of those. But again... Thank you all for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for having us. Always a good time. Of course. Always a good time. Yeah, I'm so yes. glad. I, and like I said, I'm so happy to... Yeah, I had Merjani last time. No Katie. This time, got Katie and no Merjani, but we're going to make it happen again at some point. Maybe one yes, day I will. will get ambitious and do a five-person podcast. Yes. <laughs> we'll see. I need we'll Tim see. in there, too. That, need Tim. We'll have to set aside three hours. For uh, yeah. yes. Good luck with your editing on that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, before before we go, though, I quickly want to let you all know that you could support the podcast on Patreon for a dollar a month. You'll get a thank you on the show. Five dollars a month, you get to pick a topic. If there's some Star Wars stuff you want me to cover and I'm unaware of, you can do that there and just demand that I cover it. And I will have to do that. And you can find us at Geekdom Pod on Twitter and Welcome to Geekdom on Instagram and Facebook. As always, thank you all for listening and we hope you enjoy the rest of your day. <laughs>